This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm excellent. It's another gorgeous day in my garden. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful temps and things are popping up everywhere. I know. Now, listen, Charlie, I know that you have lots of announcements, I think. So I'm going to let you get right to that. How's that? All righty. So just there are so many plant sales going on right now. I'm just going to quickly run through what's going on today and next Saturday. A couple of things to remember. Plant sales happen rain or shine. So know that. Also assume that all plant sales are cash only. So bring your cash. Today in Kleinberg at the Klein House, the Klein House is at Islington and Nashville Road in the village of Kleinberg from 9 to 1. So don't go now, wait till 10, but 9 to 1 today. It's not just plants. There's honey, there's charcuterie boards, there's bacon on a bun. There's lots going on in Kleinberg today. In Burlington today at the St. Christopher Church 662 Guelph Line South in Burlington from 8 until 11.30, plants, books, and more. Next Saturday, the Hillsburg Garden Club, 8.30 to 1 p.m., 9042 Wellington Road, 22, uh, Hills, <clears throat> excuse me, Hillsburg, between 3rd and 4th Line. The cool thing about Hillsburg is the Garden Club has been beautifying the community for 70 years, and they're super excited to be back with a plant sale. This is a fundraiser for most clubs, and all these clubs are nonprofit. So any way we can support them is great, because remember, they turn around and support the community. And as well, next week, the Oakville Hort Society at the Glen Abbey United Church, 1469 Notting Hill Gate in Oakville. 8.30 to 11, and lots of great plants that get pulled out of the members' gardens and provided to us and, and you to you know, share and get them into your gardens. Hey, what are the numbers people should be calling if they want to, want to chat? Yeah, yeah, the numbers are, if you live in Toronto, 416-360-0740, or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, toll-free, 1-866-744. Or 740. There you go. And uh, so why don't we uh, run a break now? The lines are wide open. We would love for you to give us a call if you have a, a question about gardening inside or outside. And we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on the garden show and charlie i uh, i neglected to uh, of course uh, give out the uh, you know the first time caller of course if you're a first time caller and we'd love to hear from you you get the garden wings okay they're gonna sound like that and uh, we love giving them out 
And we want you to call often. We want you to call early. And please, please, one question per call. Okie dokie. Here we go. We have our first caller. Uh, we're going to Oakville now. Fran, welcome to the Garden Show, Fran. Oh, hi there. Morning. Hey. Hello. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead. What's your question? Oh, I have um, pepper seedlings. They're about two inches high, and I want to know what do I do before I put them in the pots outside. Oh, perfect question. What kind of seedlings were they? Pepper. Oh, peppers. Okay. So, no, it's a very timely question. Anybody with seedlings, seeds they've started at home, and Mm -hmm. they're popped up, uh, depending on what you've got them growing in, uh, they should be in some small container with drainage holes, of course. If the roots are growing out of the drainage holes, then you may want to pot them one size up because we're not quite ready to plant them outside yet. Uh, Even where you are in Oakville, the soil will not be warm enough yet to plant those peppers directly out into the soil. It's still a couple of weeks of sunshine and warmth so that the soil is warm. If you plant peppers too early into the garden, you will have lots of leaves, but no flowers and no peppers all season. And of course, remember hardening off. So yeah, hardening off is what I'm in the process of doing now, where I take yeah. my little seedlings outside on a day like today, out into the shade, uh, into the fresh air for a couple hours, bring them in at night, back and forth, back and forth for the next 10 days or so before I can leave them outside in expectation that I can plant them outside in the next two weeks or so. Okay. Now, um, you said leave them out for two hours. Now, should I... Is it mornings uh, or afternoon? Because I get the sun, you know, through the day in the morning. Yeah. Well, you don't want to take seedlings directly out into the sun today because it would be, they will get burned. Their little leaves will get burn marks. So if you are taking them out, put them in a shady spot for the first couple of days. And then you're right. Within the next four or five days, you can put them out in the sun when you take them out. So, yeah, it's just a process of introducing them to the real world. Right. Thanks for calling. No, they just have two little... Okay, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Sorry, but, you know, we got lots of callers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give those numbers out again. Uh, Toronto, 416-360-0740, or uh, outside Toronto, 1-866-740-4740. Give us a call. Oh, we'd love to talk to you. Okay, let's go to Toronto now. We have Gloria on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Gloria. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie and Dean. Nice to hear your voices. It's another season. (laughs) Anyhow, I have, I've missed the window for putting my dahlias out into the garden. I I wasn't feeling well and I couldn't get to them. So they have no greenery on them at all. Can't, what should I do to, so that they can finally catch up? Oh, you know what? I don't think you've missed the window at all, Gloria. Oh. Um, when you pull your dahlias out of storage, and like you said, there's no greenery, but do you see the little green buds just at the very bottom where the root and the, st- the stems come together? I haven't examined that close, so I will do that. If they don't have the little buds, what next? They will. I think I'm pretty confident they will. Do you have some pots you could pot them into uh, yes, today? Yes, I can. So you mean I can still start them indoors under my lights? 
For sure, for sure. Just get them into pots, trim off any of the the dead, you know, anything, bits and pieces from last year that are hanging on, whether it's bits of stem or bits of root that are clearly dead, and just Mm -hmm. get those, they're, they're tubers, just get them into pots, planting them at the same height in the pot as they were in the garden last year. And the little buds that are probably, you know, depending on how cool they are right now, dormant, they will start to pop. And you should start to get some growth, no question, in the next two weeks, particularly under lights. And then you'll be in in good position to get them outside into your garden once we're past the end of May. Oh, that's wonderful. I was so scared that I, I might lose them. Yeah. Oh, no worries. Yep. Keep going. You okay, can do it. Okay, then. So I'll plant them and, and keep them under my lights. And then yep. in about two weeks, hopefully, I'll get some greenery and I can put them out there. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the call and uh, good luck on your uh, on your dailies there. Uh, Charlie, what's the, what do you, in your estimation, what's the busiest month for gardening, do you think? Is this, this feels like the calm before the storm a little bit. <laughs> Well, you know, I, it, it, yeah, every year is a new year when it comes to the seasons, but for sure May. May is the season where everybody gets juiced up. I find that people are just excited. They want to get their hands dirty. They want to get, you know, start stuff indoors, to get stuff outside, go shopping, all that. It's all about May. And then from watching neighbors and friends over the years, you know, they just get they just get tired by July and August. They're like, oh, I'm so tired of the garden. And then by September, October, they're happily ripping everything out of the garden and composting. So it's it just depends how keen you are in, in gardens and, and the maintenance. But but this is the time when we're doing all our cleanup and preparing for all our planting. Yes, indeed. I would say that I would suggest that May is probably for me one of the most exciting months of the year as far as gardening is concerned, because there's so much coming up and it's that anticipation of uh, seeing it all pop up exactly and for you particularly this year because you planted about 500 allium last year (laughs) (laughs) i I did yes they're they're going to take over the house (laughs) (laughs) they're going to be showstoppers so just so people know allium are ornamental onions so that we don't typically eat them though you could if you wanted to i guess but they're beautiful beautiful purple flowers um, different shades of purple, different sizes, different heights, but super stunning. Yes, indeed. I am looking forward to them all popping up even further. Okay, we have to take a, a bit of a pause. Uh, but we will be right back. Give us a call uh, because, again, we would love to field your questions. 416 360 740 We'll be right back with much more here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, it is exclusively on Zoomer Radio, and we here, we are here on The Garden Show. And, uh, Charlie, let's go to North York. Now we have Maureen on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Maureen. Good morning. Good morning. It's a beautiful morning. Good morning. I am very excited. I have eight dragon wing begonias, which mm-hmm. I adore. I've never had that many. Last year I only had two. Now, I want to put them in, in containers. And I know they don't like to be cold, though. Is it too early to do it this weekend? Um, I imagine they're in containers now, but you want to pot them up into big outdoor containers, I assume. 
Yeah, they're in three-inch pots right now. I would say, I know you're in North York, but it is only May 13th. In my forecast, I'm seeing some pretty chilly nights at my house coming up this week where it's going to be, you know, two or three degrees, but feel like zero. So you don't want the begonias out if you've got that kind of nighttime temperatures coming. Uh, uh, So I personally would have them outside all day. uh, But if it's going to be anything less than five degrees Celsius, tuck them in under an overhang or onto a porch or something like that, just to keep them frost free. If your containers, your final big containers are in a situation where you, they're tucked under, then you probably could plant them up today if you wanted to into the big ones. But just be careful of exposing them to too much weather before we're really truly frost-free. Okay, well, I'm, it looks like I'm probably to, better to wait a little bit because I certainly don't want to lose them. They're hard to get. <laughs> that, and they're lovely, lovely plants. And I know, Maureen, that you are just antsy to get going. So try, you know, tie yourself down and try and hold off for another week or so if you can. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Uh, Charlie, before I forget, I do wish to, because this is the weekend, I wish uh, to wish you a happy Mother's Day, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Yeah, for all the moms. This is a, and because of that, this is a big, it's a big flower weekend, really. I mean, a lot of people, including myself, I got uh, uh, my wife some flowers. Um, Do you have a favorite flower that you like to receive? She might be listening. Dean, Hmm? she might be listening. (laughs) Oh, I already gave them to her. Oh, I gave um, them to her so she could enjoy them the whole weekend for sure. Oh, I see. That was nice of you. So, yeah, my family, it's usually my my partner, Elliot, says, well, you're not my mother. <laughs> so, Indeed. Yes. <laughs> but you're right. And, and you know what? This is a big shopping weekend in the garden centers for something that's beautiful and flowery. Uh, you know, it could be a beautiful hydrangea, which is a very popular Mother's Day plant that uh, people would be picking up for their moms and grandmoms. And uh, yeah or cut flowers, or anything that's blooming. Rhododendrons were always a, a big one back in my garden center days because they're blooming now. So get mom mm-hmm. a rhododendron. And um, so you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, what people pick up for their moms. But it is a great weekend, and obviously the weather is with us. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, in the bouquet that I gave uh, my wife, uh, some ranunculus and some uh, lysianthus. Oh, sweet. Yeah couple that I quite like. Okay, let's go to Oakville now. We have Judy. We have Judy on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Judy. Hi, thank you. Good morning, Charlie. Dean, how are you? Morning. Morning. My question, Charlie, is I really would like to try and grow sweet potatoes this year. I've done some research online, and everybody has a different idea, so I thought, well, I'll talk to the expert. Okay, so first of all, you got to figure out where you're going to get your sweet potatoes from, or you're going to try and grow them from some you already own. So I bought some uh, sweet potatoes at the organic garage, and one of them has put up a little tiny sprout. It's maybe a half an inch long. Okay. <clears throat> all right, so... Similar. Have you ever grown white potatoes, regular yes. potatoes? Yes. Okay. So you, um, okay. Honestly, I keep talking about growing sweet potatoes, but I've never actually grown them. <laughs> but if you've got some growth on your sweet potato at home, 
there's a couple of things you can do. Like I'm just looking here quickly online about placing sections of mature sweet potatoes in a jar of glass or water with just the the potato just under the water, below the water line, using so toothpicks, right, to hold. It's the way we start avocado plants where we, you know, we hang the avocado pit into a glass of water. Yeah, um, I tried and that. Of course, yeah, and so did you do that? You've got more, some more growth on your potatoes? I tried um, suspending them like an avocado seed, and I got nothing. So this okay. one that is sprouting is just um, like under my kitchen sink. Oh, yeah. So I was wondering, like, one, one thing I read online was wait until it sprouts, pull the sprout off very gently, and then put the sprout in water until it roots. That was one thing. Then the, what I, my grandmother and I used to do was when we had potatoes that had sprouted, we would just cut them up and plant the piece of potato with the sprout in the ground. Exactly. That's exactly what I would do. Yeah. I, I would just cut the potato where you've got growth. It'll, green, um, it'll start as a white uh, little shoot, which, of course, if it gets a little bit of sunshine, will turn green. Right. I would just cut that out with that little bit of potato attached. Either works, right? You can either you can make the roots happen through that water method, or um, you can cut the potato. And you are smart to go to the organic garage because the organic um, vegetables are number one more likely to sprout because right. they, they haven't been treated to not sprout yeah. which many times um, grocery store vegetables have been right. and um, and and just yeah turn like cut and uh, and do what you can now, the reason you do this suspending in water is to try and get more little bits of growth out of the mm -hmm. eyes just like you get with a white potato yeah I don't know why it didn't work maybe I did it too early but anyhow, I've got success with one. So that was my inclination. Do the same as I used to do with my old granny. Um, and I'll just put them in a pot and then keep filling it with soil as the sprouts come, or should I plant it deep to start? No, you'll lose it if you plant it too deep. Right. Um, I'm also, maybe the reason you didn't get a lot when you had this, the potato suspended in water was a temperature thing, because sweet potatoes love the heat. So you oh, need to make be. sure they're in, in lots of warmth to really promote that growth. Yeah. Um, I, I, they're also suggesting here that you lay your sweet potato lengthwise on a bed of seedless soil mix or potting soil, bury half the sweet potato in the medium, keep the soil moist, and again, in a warm place. And again, um, so you've got that maybe a heating pad from below and get those the, the growth happening off the sweet potato. And then yeah, you'll be I, in a position exactly to plant and slowly but surely fill in around. Okay, I, I, it's a good idea. I tried that, but I think you're right. The house is too cold. But I do have a heating pad, so I'm going to try that again. That's good advice, yeah. Okay, good stuff. Let us know how that works out. I'm, I will. You're, you're making me... You're, <laughs> okay, you're thank you so much for your help. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Bye. Okay, uh, Charlie, we just have to, uh, we have to pause. We have to uh, go for a break. Uh, we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. 
This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show, and uh, let's go directly to our next caller. We have uh, Ellen on the line, who is calling from Brantford, Ontario. Welcome, Ellen. Hello, thank you. Morning. I have a question about dahlias. Um, I pulled them out of the ground last year and kept them over winter. It's the first time I've ever done that. And in case they didn't work, I bought some bulbs at the grocery store. They come in a box. Well, my thought was I'd plant all these bulbs in the ground, directly in the ground, any time now. But I heard the other caller, and I'm wondering, should I be putting all of these things into pots now? Well, I mean, this is a, you have a choice. You can wait and go, as you suggested, directly into the ground with all your, your dahlias, dahlias, uh, when it, the ground is warm enough and we are frost-free. So that's still a couple of weeks from now. If you want to get a jump on spring, you know, get a jump on flowering, then potting them up where in a more controlled situation, like, you know, in a window inside your home, outside during the day, inside at night for the next few weeks, that will get them started a little sooner. And that means they will flower a little sooner. So okay. either either one works. The idea of starting them indoors is just that idea of getting them to be something really substantial sooner than later in the garden. Do I plant them in a soil or in a soilless mix? Soilless mix. You never ever use garden soil in pots. We always use potting soil for the pots and garden soil for the garden. Okay, so I just buy some potting soil then, I guess, mm-hmm. eh? Exactly, yeah. Right, okay, well, thank you very, very much for your help. Thanks so much for calling. All righty, yep, bye-bye. I, I was going to ask you, uh, Charlie, uh, you mm. posted an Instagram this week <laughs> about something called a dead hedge, which I had never seen before. I know. How, what a crazy name, a eh? dead hedge. Yeah. Uh, so I'm vis- I was visiting this past week friends out in Quebec for uh, a number of days, and we were there to sort of work on the, They have a country property, which is a lot of work. And my friends are hobby gardeners, and they've been doing a lot of pruning in Quebec. They had major ice storm damage to many trees this past whenever that was february i think that happened you know there was uh, power outages big winds this was a windy winter everywhere i think so lots and lots of debris lots of prunings and long branches and they do have a fire pit and they typically will, will burn stuff but they had so much and i said hey why don't we make a dead hedge and they're like what what's a dead hedge so we got some vertical poles uh pounded them into the ground about a meter apart and on one direction made like um like a cattle chute if you will vertical poles five feet apart down one side three feet apart across the the channel and then just started laying in dead wood dead branches long branches different colored willows and dogwoods and it looks amazing it's a it's a, a wonderful, very rustic way to delineate uh, an edge of your property or, you know, instead of growing a hedge, use dead material to make a hedge. It's very, very pretty with all the different colors. And of course, every year, just keep adding to the top and every year the bottom will compost down into the ground below and animals will use it for wildlife. There, it's a windbreak. It's a lot of things. It's a, it just it seemed like a really good idea for them and it, it looks great. So it's posted on my Instagram Charlie.dobbin on Instagram. 
Gotcha. No, I, th- I, th- I think it looked really neat. I'd never seen it before, and uh, I loved it. And, uh, I, yeah, it looks, it, as you said, it looks rustic. There's a romance to it. It's, it. It serves a lot of purposes. Yeah, and it's a really great way to, instead of burning dead wood, you know, and adding carbon dioxide to the to the air, why not keep some of that dead wood on the property but put it to work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very clever. Very clever, once again. Yes. Okay, let's take our uh, next pause we have to take a little break uh, but we will be right back uh, but before we go actually let me give you the phone numbers out because we do have some room on the lines 416-360-0740 or toll free anywhere outside toronto in the province of ontario 1-866-740-4740 don't be shy give us a call we will be right back with much more on the garden show don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, yeah, we're back here on The Garden Show, and we have have callers on the line. Let's get right to them. We are going to Mary in Toronto. Welcome to The Garden Show, Mary. Thank you. Good morning to you both. Um, I'm not sure if I called about this before. I bought another yellow climbing rose, this one from a nursery, and where I had my previous one that outbloomed the new dawn, mm-hmm. it's actually um, closer to the deck, but there are two evergreens on either side. When I bought them, maybe eight to ten years ago, uh, I brought a branch of the previous one, which was an upright, I think it's a juniper, the leaves kind of turn blue. These mm-hmm. are shorter and spreading. And the only reason I think, <clears throat> excuse me, the new dawn is um, beside a euonymus and lilac and all that kind of stuff against the fence. This one, I thought, and it bloomed better, but I'm wondering if before I plant this new one, I had it between the two of them. So they would be, if I put it in the middle, maybe 14 inches from each of them. I'm wondering two things. When I uh, empty out the bird water, which is on the railing of the deck every night so the raccoons don't come, I wondered if I overwatered, you know, last summer um, because I turf it out. They never were dry. Mind you, I forgot to fertilize. But the new dawn is still growing like crazy. I bought them both at the same time. Or is it because of the evergreen roots? I would okay, still so love to put it in that place because I can see it and I could put a, a tall trellis, but I don't know if I should take a chance or move it over closer to the big euonymus. What do you think? Okay, so just to clarify, that you've got two new dawn in position growing, but you added no, 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 a no. yellow climbing rose in between last no, year? The new dawn, uh, I bought them both oh. at the same time two years oh. ago. The so new, new dawn is in a different location. Oh. And it's growing like crazy. It didn't bloom. It bloomed prolifically the first year, but not so much last year. Okay. But the yellow, uh, the yellow rose, the climber, is in a different position besides okay. evergreens. Okay. So just um, yeah. So what I would do, 
Yellow roses, okay, New Dawn is a very, very pale pink, very yeah. vigorous rose. So yeah. it's going to, it's a bit of a brute, actually. It's It really grows, like you said, prolifically. Do fertilize all your roses in the spring. Doesn't matter what kind of rose they are. Give them some rose food at this time of year when you're pruning out the dead, the diseased, and the damaged wood. What I would I, not uh, try and jam... Partially, yeah. Evergreens are never a rose's favorite plant to be near just because the soil tends to be a bit acidic. Overwatering is a very bad idea. Roses like to be hot and dry, very well-drained soil. They'll grow in gravel if you plant them into gravel. They're better dry than wet in terms of your choice of location. And the new dawn will overwhelm a yellow rose. Yellow roses are not prolific. They tend to be um, smaller, a little more fragile, need a little more TLC than the red roses or the, the pink roses. Yellow are always you know, just need to be coddled a bit. So I would pick an optimal location for the yellow rose that lots, minimum six hour sun, well-drained fertile soil and do fertilize in the spring, as I mentioned. All right. Um, so Thanks I have very to buy much rose for calling. Food. I have 20, 20, 20 and the blooming one, 35 or whatever, but I can buy rose food. I've never, ever done that. Actually, I probably would buy rose food because roses respond to rose food. They're a little picky that way. Or use the flowering plant fertilizer that you have. That oh, would work as well. But don't use, don't use 2020. So, okay. So now the new dawn, I mean, the tentacles are like, well, I've cut them once and they're, uh, I swear, they must be up, approaching 50 feet. Mm-hmm. So how can I keep it smaller? Because the flowering last year was sparse on the new dawn. Right. As, we, as we both said, it's a vigorous plant. The only way you're going to keep it smaller is by cutting it down. And now is your time of year to do that. Um, the roses can, can handle very, very hard pruning at this time of year. But this is the only time of year you can do that. So, so get out your loppers, put on your leather gauntlets, and go to it. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Sweet. Okay. Yeah, thanks for the call. Okay, we're going to go over to uh, uh, Madeline now. We have a first-time caller on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Madeline. Thank you very much. And sorry, Madeline, where are you calling from? Harriston. Ah. Harriston. Okay. And I'm going to um, give you your garden wings, okay? Okay. <laughs> there you Thank go. You. Thank you. Very pretty. Um, you earned them. Charlie, I have a crab apple tree that I planted last May. It was about four feet tall at the time. And it did well until late summer, and it got brown spots on the leaves. Anyway, it overwintered fine, and now it's alive and, and happy. It's got beautiful buds on it, but the leaves look wilty. What oh. do I do? Okay, wilty is a bit weird. Uh, okay, there are ma- there are maybe hundreds, probably hundreds, <clears throat> of different crab apples out there in the industry for us to choose to plant. Mm-hmm. Some are very susceptible to many of the fungal diseases that attack. Um, that genus of plants. Some okay. are not. Uh, like last year, I, I eliminated a plant that was just covered in sport. Well, it was very susceptible to something called, jeez, um, uh, what's it called? I know I can't remember. Um, anyway, I had a bad disease happening on one of my crab apples, and I just 
burned it and put in one that will not show all kinds of problems. In your case, if you love the crab apple, it's your, you know, really going to be a great plant. Your part of your job is to look, do you know what the variety is that you planted? I'm sorry, I don't. And you didn't keep the tag or anything. Uh, so I may have it, but I don't know right offhand what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's you need to put on your calendar to spray that plant with dormant spray every spring and potentially even every fall when mm-hmm. it's dormant. So after the leaves drop in the fall and before the leaves grow in the spring, you'll spray with dormant spray, which is lime sulfur and horticultural oil <clears throat> mixed together with water. And you use that as a preventative to protect the plant from insects and diseases. So since the leaves are all out now, they're probably looking limp just because they've grown so fast. Everything's growing fast in all this heat and uh, there's lots of moisture in the soil. So there's this huge pop of growth. But the, the, the actual leaves, you know, we were talking about hardening off seedlings. The leaves on your crab apple need to harden off, right? They need to get toughened up, and they will. They'll be, I'm sure they'll, they'll toughen up and be fine. But keep an eye out for spots on the leaves. You can use liquid sulfur as a fungicide once the leaves have emerged, but you have to follow the instructions very, very closely so that you don't burn the plant. But just to keep the leaves intact through the entire season is what you're aiming for. Right. Right. Okay, thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Okay, yeah, thanks. Thanks for being a first-time caller. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't be shy. Coffee's Uh, on. Just before we go to break, Charlie. Yeah. Absolutely. Quick question regarding something that Madeline said. Is there merit in us in a little box somewhere? Is there merit in keeping our tags? Because sometimes this comes up and people don't know, remember what they bought five years later. Absolutely. Because when somebody calls and says, how do I prune my clematis? I'm like, well, which clematis is it? There's like five different categories of clematis, all of which are pruned differently, depending on what they are. And for sure, it's the same, you know, like the crab apples. There's so many varieties and there's so many different resistance levels and susceptibility levels to different diseases. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I have friends, they have a binder, plastic um, sort of little envelope sheets and they stick their tags in and they date their tags and just keep all the tags. You don't you don't need to keep a huge journal, but certainly keep your tags. Sweet. Okay, we have to take a quick break, but we'll be uh, back with more callers here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, we're back here on The Garden Show. And before we get to these last callers, Charlie, you had something you wanted to mention. Well, well, exactly, because I just flashed on something when you asked me about keeping tags. You know how we don't really like to leave the plastic tags in the garden? Sometimes people say, oh, it looks like a graveyard with all those tags. So we that's why we don't leave <laughs> them near the plants. And yet, you know, I was, I've been using and I love a product. It's an aluminum plant marker. It's called Perma Steak. Not the steak you eat, but S T A K E. Um, it's they're they're lovely. They're not they're not white and shiny and plastic. They're actually aluminum. You write on them with a permanent marker, and if you move the plant, you take the tag. If you um, the plant dies or you give the plant away, you can uh, wash that permanent will come off the aluminum with a certain amount of abrasion, and then before you know it, you're back in business. So three different sizes. 
these little permastakes. I use them on my seedlings and then I use them out in the garden, keep my tomatoes apart. Uh, simple uh, website, made in Canada, permastakegardenmarker.com. Lovely. Sounds like a Mother's Day gift to me. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay, let's go to uh, Ken, who is calling from Uxbridge, Ontario. Welcome to the Garden Show, Ken. Hi. Uh, Morning. I, yeah. Okay, this is all to do a, a peony. Uh, we figure that's uh, two different farms, uh, Toronto back to another farm, and then my hobby farm in Uxbridge. Uh, it's a very healthy plant, and we figure it's about 90 years old. Mm. And no booms. Oh, you know why? It's planted too deep. Oh. When a pea... When a peony doesn't bloom, but it grows, you, the tuber has been put into the ground at too low of a level. Uh, you, I guess depending on the size of the plant, I probably wouldn't fiddle around with it now. Just let it be for the spring and summer. And in uh, late August, early September, get out your garden fork, loosen the soil all around the tuber, uh, and then uh, lift the whole thing up so that the top of the tuber is right at the surface of the soil you want to actually see it it's got to be that high and i think you'll find you'll have flowers next spring if you do that thanks ken okay yeah thanks for the call love those peonies let's try and get uh, at least one more caller in we've got uh, gail on the line from markham ontario welcome to the garden show gail good morning it's dale um, thank Dale. you. I'll be oh, quick. My daughter has two holly bushes, actually maybe more, um, and they are, she moved into the house, they were already there. They are splaying to the outside so that there is really no center. There's just kind of a hole. And actually, I've noticed the same thing with sedum in the fall. Is there a way to prune this to help it correct? Um, well, it's the way they were pruned initially. Are they really like bushy and dense on this outer circumference and empty in the middle, or are they just a bit um, thin? They might be thinnish on the outside, but in the middle there's a hole. They're kind of in a, a row like a hedge, so they'd be two feet high, three feet high. Um, the garden was not cared for when they moved in, so right. I don't know what so happened. Any this is a good time to be asking this question because, again, now is the time. Spring is always the best time to do pruning when we're pruning for not just health of the plant, but also the look of the plant. So if your daughter goes out there with sharp pruners on a nice dry day like today and she cuts back just tips, a tip, uh, an inch, inch and a half all around the plants, she will find that it will the plants will become much bushier because she's going to encourage a bunch of side growth. Mm -hmm. Unpruned plants like holly will only grow on the tips. So you'll end up with these scraggly plants with lots of little green leaves on the tips with lots of emptiness in between. So with mo many of our plants, by pruning the, the, um, the tips, we've caused a, a bushier, thicker, better looking plant. Will this address the hole in the middle? Uh, it will because the, the growth will happen into the middle. Okay. It'll grow back into the middle, we hope. Yeah, like exactly. Not, Just, seem to be anything coming you know, up in the it's middle. the kind of thing you, you learn by doing. If I prune here, it's going to grow there. If I prune here, it's going to grow there. So it's okay. one of those you have to look at each plant and prune according to where you want the next growth to go. Okay. Thank you so right. much. 
Yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for the call there. Okie dokie, I think that about brings us to the end of another garden show. Uh, where did that hour just go? <laughs> yeah, slip by. Like, and, and again, uh, sending out to all those mothers out there, happy Mother's Day this yeah. week. Big happy Mother's Day. Get out to your plant sales. Enjoy this gorgeous weather. Um, I've got birds. I've got a cute little, it's called a chipping sparrow. It, um, it keeps seeing its reflection in the window here in my office, and it thinks it's a, another bird. So it keeps attacking itself in the window because it's, you know, it's breeding. It's a, it's a boy. So it's doing its <laughs> thing uh, up against the window. It's very cute but because it, it doesn't hurt itself. It just bounces around, and uh, it's like it's saying hello. So I think it's looking for its mother. No, it's just attacking itself. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.